The sky was light and the land all dark The sun rose up over Central Park I was walking home from work, Gaia The purple sky and the rosy dawn World turning on the burning sun Sacred wet green one that we live on Gaia As if you were the chosen nation And the world around you Just a rude and dangerous invasion Gaia Blood will flow, 
Steep fashion steal a one Drying in the color of the evening sun Tomorrow's rain Wash the stains away But something in our minds will always stay Perhaps the final act Meant to clinch a lifetime's argument Nothing comes from violence And nothing ever could For all those born beneath An angry star Lest we forget how fragile we are On and on the rain will fall Like tears from a star Like tears from a star On and on the rain will say How fragile we are How fragile we are Like tears from a star On and on the rain will say How fragile we are How fragile we are How fragile we are How fragile we are This next song is dedicated to all of the industries who are out there fracking this planet. I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to tremble and whenever you're When I see your face, mellow as the month of May, oh darling, I can't stand it. When you look at me that way, I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to tremble and whenever you're in body or spirit for the call to worship and put your hands together Sing to the east, to rosy-fingered dawn, to the breeze, to the bird song, to the first breath, soaring blue footless halls of air. I sing the eternal love dance of bee to blossom, be here now. I sing to the south, to the sun's growing radiance, to the spark, the phoenix egg, the fire, ancient hearts of the wheeling stars, I sing the red might of the transforming flame. Be here now, 
Sing to the west, the wine-dark sea, to the trickle, the fathomless tides, the ebb and flow, scent of blessed desert rain. I sing the surge of rivers brimming with the spring thaw. Be here now. I sing to the north, to earth's deep layered bones, to the coyote, the prickly pear, the hare, stardust iron made fruit and flesh. I sing the heartbeat drum of green and growing things. Be here now. As we call the four corners and gather ourselves, we light our chalice as a reminder that we enjoyed that we are joined in spirit by Unitarian, Unitarian Universalists in all the four directions. Please be seated. invite you to <laughs> you can actually rise in body and spirit again grab that gray hymnal and open to number 163 for the earth forever turning Please be seated. Good morning. I'm Catherine Probasco. I'm one of the worship leaders, and I'm so excited to welcome everyone today. Welcome to the folks in our physical sanctuary and to the folks in our Zoom sanctuary. Welcome to folks in the family room and the social hall. Um, if you are on Zoom, I invite you to turn on your camera and join in our greeting. Folks in the sanctuary, we can wave to the folks on Zoom at the camera behind the piano. It's good to all be together. We are pleased to be joined today by Dr. Elias Ortega, the president of Meadville Lombard Theological School. If you're not familiar with that seminary, we have some illustrious alums among us. Uh, it's the school that gave us Bob LaValle, um, also Jane Davis and Dan Galasinski, uh, sorry, James Galasinski. Uh, so we are thrilled to have him here. Welcome, Dr. Ortega. Everybody wave at Dr. Ortega. <laughs> In the spirit of radically inclusive worship, we opened this service today by calling the four directions, each associated with the elements of earth, air, fire, and water. Uh, in case you were wondering what the heck that was, this is a common method that followers of modern Earth-centered spirituality use to create sacred space. All are welcome here to learn, to love, and to grow in spirit. We understand that our beloved community coughs, wiggles, whispers, clears our throats, rustles our papers, and 
makes other small noises along our spiritual journey. We have a playground down front for our smallest congregants with a soft rug and cool toys and the best view in the house. There's already somebody here to play with. For little ones who need a bit more to do, there's an activity table in the back and our family room across the way with toys and a live feed of the service. And speaking of welcoming little ones into our spiritual family, we are absolutely delighted to have a child dedication in the service today for the first time in three years since we shut down for COVID. So I invite Ariel Feltz and Justina Schmidt to come forward with their family we may celebrate this precious new life with them as the cycle of seasons carries us into spring the time of renewal and promise do you i together we share and by this we live from turned on microphone there it is good morning good morning little ones do you want to turn him around so he can kind of work out over here look at this this is your community <laughs> these are the people who stand with you to raise up a human being is one of life's most sacred tasks and one of its most precious relationships so this morning, Ariel and Justina, we ask you, do you pledge yourselves in love and steadfastness to this child? Yes. And will you, and will you, Michael, cherish this child and teach them with your words and actions, truth, justice, compassion, and the inherent worth of every person? Beautiful. Life depends on water the most precious element, most common element in the world and the most precious. It gave life to our ancestors and has nourished all the plants and beings that have ever lived on our mother earth. Therefore, we call this water holy. And like a flower, this little one is unfolding in beauty. And as he grows, all the love, wisdom, and goodness in him will blossom. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> What name has this child received? Lucius Alias Schmidt. Lucius Alias Schmidt. With this holy touch of water, let's try that one more time, Bob. With this holy touch of water, we bless you. <laughs> we welcome you into the community of all good souls. We dedicate you to a life of love and service for and among your fellow human beings. Please rise and body your spirit to join in sharing the words that are in your order of service. We'll start where it says, we who are, who are called, called to, to love and share in your formation, formation dedicate ourselves to you, you and we bless you. you. May your lips speak truth. May your heart know love. And may, and may the work of, of your, your hands, hands be blessed all the days of your life. We pledge ourselves to all our children that they, that they might, might grow in beauty, beauty wisdom, and, and love. Can we join our hearts in prayer? Spirit of life, let your love down on this child and his family through us and through all the blessings and abundance of life. Keep this young one safe and growing, loved and loving through all the days of his life. Bless this family which has opened themselves to receive and nurture Lucius and grant them an expansion of their being and a deepening of their lives. Bless this congregation which has pledged itself to be, for this child and all of our children, 
a place of nurture, community, and truth. We rejoice in all our children and in life's preciousness and beauty through all our days. Amen. Amen. Yes. Let us take a moment to center ourselves and connect with the natural world that surrounds us. Here in New Mexico, we are blessed with a diverse and vibrant landscape that is a source of inspiration and renewal. Let us draw strength and guidance from the elements of the earth, from where our bodies draw sustenance from the fire that warms us in cooler times, from the air that surrounds us and bring to us ancestral memories, and from the water that made life possible and continues to make our existence in this world a visibility. Let us relax our bodies, call our spirits back to us, Close our eyes if we are so comfortable. Let us draw a deep breath in. And in our exhale, feel yourself sinking into the earth beneath you. Ground yourself in these lands that were here before your existence. Picture yourself standing on the edge of a canyon, looking over the rugged terrain. Feel the solid ground beneath you and the vast expanse of the sky above you, calling you in, calling you into an expansive awareness of your place in this world, and inviting you to experience all. As you gaze out the landscape, notice the fire that burns beneath the earth, shaping the rocks and minerals that make up the canyon walls. Picture the wind that whips through the canyon, carrying the scent of sage and juniper on its wings. Imagine the water that flows through arroyos, carving out a path through the earth, some of which you may have enjoyed in summer days. Now bring your mind to one small action you can take in your life a small action that might reduce your impact on the environment and help it preserve it to the next generation. Picture yourself taking this action. It may be small, like one shorter shower, or a mindfulness in reducing the waste you create. But done with love for the earth, it may be a most radical act. And as you breathe in, Imagine you are breathing in, and as you bring out, taking again the memories of the aroma of green chilies being roasted on a fall day, or the smell of desert sage inviting you into healing. Release any negativity or stress or worry that may be weighing you. Take a moment to feel a sense of gratitude for the world around you, a world for which we are call to protect.
Let's lift up some other prayers in our community now. For my pastoral care list, I lift up Steve Polland, who has entered hospice in this last week, and his partner of 30 years, Virginia Burris. May they experience comfort. May they be surrounded by love in this time. And I invite you to call to mind the names that are in your heart today, people and places that are in your prayers and speak them aloud as the chime rings so that we can hold them with you. All these names we lift up to the great powers of healing, renewal, and celebration that we know by many names. And we remember the unspoken prayers among us today, all that is too private or too nuanced to share, the prayers without words yet. Blessings to all with a prayer in their hearts this morning. May each find what courage, comfort, or companionship they need. We pray for our congregation, that it thrive and be a safe haven for our children and then for their children. We pray for all in our community who are working for a better world, all who are on the front lines, those who face threats, those who protect and advocate for themselves and others. May the light of strength and peace shine upon them. And we pray our most ambitious prayers, the ones that take true collective action and therefore a deep and active faith. Prayer for resilience, for creativity, for healing and justice for all people. A prayer for our planet, that it be cared for with a love to reflect its profound beauty and our interdependence in it. All this we lift up as our common prayer. Amen. And peace be with you.
what they used to be oh where did all the blue skies go poison is the wind that blows from the north and south and east whoa mercy mercy me Terry Windling's book, The Woodwife, there's a passage where two shape-shifting desert spirit beings, the rabbit girl and the saguaro cactus spine witch, steal into the sleeping heroine's bedroom one night and take turquoise from her nightstand. In return, the spine witch kisses each of her closed eyelids, gifting her with sight, with a capital S, before creeping back out of the house. The next day, the heroine notices. The sky overhead was turning deep blue, streaked with banners of orange, red, and pink. The desert was bathed in a golden light, each cactus, each small tree, vivid, distinct. Its beauty stopped her in her path. Something had changed. Something was different ever since she woke up that morning. Her eyes seem to have adjusted now to the subtler colors of the Sonoran palette. The desert was no longer an emptiness, an absence of water and dark northern greens, but an abundance of sky, of silver and sage and sepia and indigo blue, of gold desert light, so pure, so clear, she wanted to gather it up in her two cupped hands and drink it down. She rubbed her eyes, her vision kept changing. One moment, it was the way it had been, and the desert was just a dry, hostile land. In the next moment, it was lovely again, a sentient presence beneath her feet, holding her like a stone in its hand. To be one stone more, she repeated to herself as she walked on into the tall blue hills. Return me, O sun to my wild destiny. underground and in the sky animals and birds who live nearby are dying mercy mercy me before i get going actually i just want to say how delighted i am to share the platform with dr elias ortega president of Meadville Lombard Theological School, which as you heard, that's where I went to seminary. So if you feel like I'm poorly prepared to be a minister, <laughs> Dr. Ortega will be in the social hall during coffee hour and you can <laughs> tell him all about it. <laughs> if you're on Zoom, send him an email. In earnest, welcome Elias. How do we teach ourselves how to see how do we see things that we don't understand or are too painful to fully acknowledge? I invite you to picture this. Think of a place, a country or a region that is in the global south. And by that I mean a place that isn't the United States or Canada or Europe, or Russia. It is in Israel, Japan, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand. 
place that isn't wealthy. It's not industrialized. Maybe a place in Africa or Latin America or South America or Asia. Picture the people who live there. Indigenous people, people of color, people relying on agriculture to live. Think of a place that was a colony once where people from global north countries came and imposed their language, imposed their religion, all as a way of making the indigenous people more pliable, better suited for work in whatever industry the colonizers had in mind. Picture the colonizers finding a natural resource that they want. Maybe it's gold or tea or oil. Maybe it's rubber from rubber trees. Picture processes for getting those resources that scorch the earth, that poison rivers, destroy forces, forests. Picture families forced off their land and into work extracting these resources. Picture the colonizers taking over the government by force, installing a local leader who's willing to sell out their people for personal gain. Now picture those colonizers leaving the governing, leaving the governing of that place, but still operating the extractive industry. Picture a company, a country with a tiny, super wealthy elite and a massive population suffering in poverty. Picture the colonizers killing any indigenous person who wants to take their country back. Picture people in the global north enjoying cheap oil and cheap food taken from far, far from where they live. Picture the world as it is now. The thing is, I'm also asking you to picture New Mexico. It may not feel like it to those of us who are comfortable, but we live in a colony. We live in a place where the indigenous people were violently suppressed and moved around because they were bad for business. New Mexico is now the second largest producer of fossil fuels in the country. And in the northwest and southeast corners of the state, local residents, most of them indigenous or people of color, live in the midst of oil production facilities that foul the air, that threaten to ruin their aquifers, that ruin their towns. Our natural resources are extracted to make people who don't live here rich. And despite our current state budget surplus, they leave New Mexico as one of the poorest states in the union. This month, our spiritual theme is vulnerability. Next week, our intern, Kristen Famula, will talk about how we live vulnerably short lives. Then Reverend Angela will preach about how vulnerability can actually change our relationships. And finally, Susan will be presenting a choir service that will consider how we've been vulnerable the past few years. And today, I'm talking about the vulnerability of the land and ourselves here in New Mexico. It's possible that someone may be hearing me describe New Mexico as a colony, and they might be asking a very reasonable question. What about all the jobs that come from the oil fields? There are indeed a lot of jobs related to fossil fuel in the fossil fuel industry. However, many of these jobs are very dangerous and many of them are what they call contractor positions. That means that the worker is not an employee of the company, 
with all the protections that involves, but is a small business unto themselves, responsible for their health care and their social security taxes, and also no longer subject to OSHA. So when bad things happen at a drill pad, where they frequently do, companies are not held responsible unless the family sues. Oil workers are exposed to dangerous chemicals and the consequences of those may not show up for years until years after they've left the oil field. I myself was a military contractor in Afghanistan, another kind of extraction economy, to be honest. And I know firsthand that I was absolutely on my own if anything happened to me. Many of the folks who take oil field jobs are transient, coming from other places, staying in the area with no real ties to the communities that they're living in, sometimes living and in, in living in man camps, and they leave when the industry slumps. The impact of these workers in this industry arriving in these communities can't be underestimated. Suddenly there are hotspots of rare forms of cancer and other ailments. The influx of single men into an area drives up housing costs for the long-term residents and frankly makes the town feel less safe. In particular, indigenous women are at risk in these situations. If you're interested in a deep dive into the lives and exploitation of oil field workers, I want to suggest a great book called The Legend of Colton H. Bryant by Alexandra Fuller. It's a true story, but it reads like a novel. It's beautifully written. It tells the story of a young man from Wyoming who can no longer make a living as a cowboy. It's contemporary. So he went to work in the oil fields to support his family. And the description of life at the drilling sites and in the man camps are intense, even terrifying. I highly recommend it to understand what's going on. That's called The Legend of Colton H. Bryant by Alexandra Fuller. The boom and bust cycle is a reminder that extraction economies have a short-term mentality. Corporations get in while commodity is valued, claw what they can out of the environment without regard for the long-term consequences of the long-term well-being of the land, and they abandon those places when they are no longer profitable. In the oil industry, for example, they leave behind orphaned wells. In 2021, there were 1,700 of these wells in the state, and the state estimated that it would cost $290 million to plug them up. There's a whole other story about how corporations avoid taking responsibility for these wells. Short version, they don't take responsibility. So. But we're in a church, and this is a sermon. And it's, of course, tempting to talk about and think about political and economic and environmental issues here. But we need to turn our attention to the spiritual issues at stake. How do we as Unitarian Universalists respond to this moment? One good place to start is to dig deep into our principle of being part of an interdependent web of life, of existence. We are all connected to this issue, caught in this foul system. Our cities are built to make us dependent on cars. As citizens of New Mexico, if we are, we get the benefit of a giant tax surplus that the state is receiving, even if it doesn't particularly trickle down to communities, the cities, or folks most in need. And we're stuck in this place. And this seems like a good time to acknowledge that when it comes to global warming, we all feel overwhelmed, right? We all feel kind of powerless. For me, one of the hardest topics to preach on is climate change. So I understand the desire to sidestep the issue, but I think that our spiritual lives require that we pay attention, that we see. We know that we're part of this broken system connected to it. 
But that's not the only connections that we have. We're not just connected as consumers and as taxpayers. We're also connected as living beings to all the other living beings. You know, one day I was walking through the Sandia foothills, just looking at the cactus and the flowers and all the wild and strange diversity of life out there. And for some reason, it just occurred to me to consciously decide to think of all those cacti and flowers as not suffering separate from me, but as siblings. To look at them not as if they're something that's in my care that needs to be managed, but as equals to be looked at with respect and family love. Turn my perspective upside down. And it actually, for me, was quite comforting. And bigger, it made me bigger. I think that a spiritual response to the crisis that we're in includes paying attention. Our interdependence requires that we not ignore what's going on. And that we look at it with clear eyes, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. Today I want to tell you about one way that you can do that. There's a great organization called New Mexico Interfaith Power and Light. New Mexico Interfaith Power and Light, or IPL. I see folks nodding, that's great. Together with an advocacy group from Carlsbad called Citizens Caring for the Future, they lead witness trips down to the Permian Basin. And over the course of three days and two nights, Participants talk to the advocates. They talk to people on the front lines who are living in those communities who are impacted by the industry. And participants get to go to oil fields and into towns like Carlsbad and Artesia and Hobbs and see firsthand what's really going on. I did this last fall and I came away brokenhearted, but much wiser. And I came away much more committed to resisting this industry. But the trip is not all misery. During the trip, the practical education that we get is combined with prayerful interfaith rituals that help ground us and help us understand our place on the earth. And here's a lovely thing. By the end of the trip, the participants go from being individuals to being a cohort and we all feel less alone and more powerful. Don't we wanna feel a little less alone and a little more powerful in this situation? So Interfaith Power and Light is offering another witness trip this coming March 23rd through 25th. That's a Thursday through a Saturday. I'm gonna be going again and I wanna invite folks here to join me. IPL takes care of everything, the food and the housing if folks are feeling generous and have the means, they're invited to donate $50 for the weekend, but that is absolutely not necessary. Don't need to spend a dime. So the executive director of New Mexico IPL, Sister Joan Brown, who's just a wonderful person, she'll be in the social hall during coffee hour today. So you can get more details from her, or if you're so moved, you can sign up for the next trip. And if you're on Zoom, you can just go to their website, New Mexico Interfaith Power and Light, and get more information there. Now, I know that not everybody has the time to go to Carlsbad, but if you do, I highly recommend it. It's a powerful way of keeping our eyes wide open, of seeing clearly. You know, one of the great things about the trip, besides meeting absolutely inspiring leaders, is that participants finish the trip much better prepared to do something about it. Now, you've no doubt heard me say that action is the antidote to despair. Action is the antidote to despair. Folks who've seen the Permian firsthand are much more persuasive when talking to people in power. And we know in this legislative session, session there are bills in play that we can influence now. And we know for a fact it's not going to stop with this session. Every year, we'll be fighting for our natural resources, for our, the sanctity of our land. If you'd like more information about the bills that are in play right now, talk to Sister Joan during coffee hour. She's been very active up at the Roundhouse.
This is not just a Permian Basin issue or a Four Corners issue. Some folks may remember that in 2017, the New Mexico oil and gas tried to start a fracking operation in our neighbor, Sandoval County. And after initially welcoming the proposal, the Sandoval County Commission changed their position after serious pushback from the local community. So unfortunately, they didn't, they, they didn't do it in Sandoval County, but they moved to the next county over, Valencia County, where it was welcomed. So it was a really mi mixed victory, I guess. But anyways, there's a very cool mural about it, about this specific event that's on Central by Tulane. And it shows the Sandoval commissioners on one side with the representative of New Mexico gas and oil and gas during the hearing, there's like speech bubbles. And on the other side, there's the, the, the folks from the, oh, by the way, this public hearing was, was, they intended to limit public comment. And so they limited the seating and put all the approval opposed into an overflow room. Very, very crafty. The other side of the, the mural shows the advocates, the hydro, uh, hydrologist, a member from the Pueblos, an activist from New Mexico Food and Water. And it's worth checking out. So just look, just look for the dominoes on Central by Tulane, and you can see on the, behind it this great mural. And actually, the artist, Larry Bob Phillips, had created an entire comic book about it for the fight, and you can, you can actually buy that online. So Larry Bob Phillips. So the events in Sandoval make it clear that in New Mexico, there are two competing visions at work. One vision is that we continue to be a colony and trash our natural resources as long as it's profitable. The other vision is that we treasure our natural resources and build an economy here based on renewable energy and ecotourism. For those of us who live here, I think the choice is obvious. Like the heroine in our reading today, may our eyes be kissed by the spine witch so that we can see the land that we live on with new eyes, clearly. May it be so. Speaking of sustainable ways to be on the earth, our new Change for the Future recipient for this quarter is Seed to Need. They're a local nonprofit volunteer organization devoted to reducing hunger in our community by growing fresh fruits and vegetables for local food pantries and for statewide distribution by Roadrunner Food Bank. Uh, and they have do donated over 725,000 pounds of produce since the project began in 2008. They grow vegetables and fruit trees on a community farm, as well as gleaning fruit from other growers in the Corrales area. Uh, last year, they harvested nearly 34,000 pounds of produce. Uh, so you can support Seed to Need by dropping your loose change in the collection box or by using the envelope on the back of the pews in front of you, writing CFF on the envelope for change for the future. As we reflect on the fertile generosity of the earth, let us share generously with this community that holds and sustains us. We will now gratefully receive the offering. From a distance, the world looks blue and green. 
on the snow-capped mountains white From a distance the ocean meets the stream And the eagle takes to flight From a distance And it echoes through the land. It's the voice of hope. It's the voice of peace. It's the voice of everyone. From a distance, No guns, no bombs, and no disease. No hungry mouths to feed. From a distance, we are instruments marching in a common band, playing songs. Of hope, playing songs of peace. They're the songs of everyone. God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, ushers, for your service today. And thank you, everyone, for your generosity. Thank you for this offering that serves the ministries of this congregation and Seed to Need, our Change for the Future partner. We have some invitations to share. So first, once again, 
you're invited to chat with the president of Naperville Lombard Theological School, Dr. Elias Ortega, during coffee hour. You can bring your questions about ministerial education, the eighth principle, the future of Unitarian Universalism. Was Bob always like this? Uh, <laughs> he'll be happy to answer them all. Not all of that was in the script we gave, Catherine. <laughs> you are also invited to uh, check in with the Board of Directors during coffee hour today. There will be a representative from the Board of Directors uh, on Zoom in a special breakout room as well as in the social hall. And finally, you're invited to meet people and engage in cozy conversations during coffee hour in, on Sundays after church. If you're on the Zoom service, you can join a breakout room afterwards for the in-person 11 a.m. service um, today and other days. You can come join the chat tables in the social hall. Um, we'll introduce ourselves, talk about the Sunday sermon, get to know each other, and there will be a host at the table to introduce the questions. So we look forward to seeing everybody there. I also saw something that we didn't have listed in our invitations, which is the read to me table in the hallway. I saw that Jerry Noble is again collecting books for kids, something you could also learn about by stopping by that table. I wonder if we have any first or second time visitors this morning. If you are a first or second time visitor and you're on Zoom and you haven't already put your name and location in the chat, we invite you to do that right now so everybody can greet you. And do we have any here in the sanctuary, the, the in-person sanctuary, we're here for the first or second time. If so, we invite you to raise your hand so that we can welcome you. Hello, welcome, welcome. It's good to be together this morning. Glad to have you, glad to have anybody who's new here on Zoom. And I invite you on Zoom to put your screen in gallery view. And if you're here in the sanctuary to rise and body your spirit and let's just greet one another with our gesture of peace, which looks like this. One hand on your heart and the other one extending towards your fellow visitors and you use this morning peace to each and all Boys. 74 turn the world around we get back to our four corners our four elements and we're going to change the world here we go we come
To the powers of earth, air, and fire, go if you must, but stay if you will. Our circle of interdependence is open but unbroken. Go in peace.